0: Well, I want to welcome all of you here today, and uh, I want to take just a second because uh, I know we got people in the room, but I want to welcome every single person tuning in online from all over the place. Uh, we, we greet you. Happy Easter. Maybe throw it in the chat. Happy Easter. And uh, I, I'm excited. I'm excited that there's people in the room. I am so... I, you got, you got to give me a second, okay? Because I just want to look at all of you. I want to look in the camera, and I know there's a bunch of you there, but I want, I want to look at people. I want to see people. Do you know a year ago this time, I was preaching to an empty room. Kind of felt like an empty tomb. I was, I was preaching to an empty room, and today to have people, oh, man, I'm so, I'm so ready to be beyond this pandemic. I know you are too. I'm so ready for it to be over. I know, and um, but I, I, you know, this past year, when I think about this past year, can I just tell you this, this past year was such a year filled with anxiety. Um, I, in fact, I don't know how you managed for the last 12 months. Um, there was a, a survey that was done that um, in the pandemic where they asked adults and surveyed people across the country, they said, have you experienced anxiety in this year. And the numbers came back about four out of every 10 people said they experienced anxiety, which tells me that there are a lot of people right now in this room and watching online that that's also been you. Now, if you think, I mean, a lot of people deal with anxiety all the time, right? No, pre-pandemic, it would be one out of every 10 people say that they regularly deal with anxiety. So we're talking about a 400% increase in anxiety over this past year. And no wonder, I mean it's been a crazy year, it's been a scary year, it's been a year of uncertainty, it's been a year of shaking when I think about this past year. And I don't know if you're someone who's wrestled with anxiety, if you've battled with it, but one of the reactions, the responses, the symptoms of anxiety is shortness of breath. I don't know if you've ever had an anxiety attack, I don't know if you've ever had a panic attack. But if you ever do, a lot of times it's accompanied by not being able to catch your breath. Just, you just, you, you're so overwhelmed. It's interesting how an, something that affects our soul so deeply can actually come out through our bodies physically. You know, and, and so doctors and counselors will tell you, and if you're ever wrestling with anxiety just practically, one of the things that you can do to try to calm yourself is to control your breathing. Is You take a deep breath... And then you exhale. In fact, maybe some of you are really anxious about today because you're about to see some family and maybe it's been a while or maybe it's just because you're gonna see some family that you have to see every year. And so let's all do this little exercise together. I want everybody on the count of three, take a deep breath and then exhale with me. Ready, one, two, three. And then exhale. All right, one more time. One, two, three. And then exhale. Now, now that's, see, I don't know, that's calming. It slows your heart rate, it helps you to kind of like, that's the proper way that God created us to go through life, is to inhale and exhale. The challenge was, for me, and I imagine for maybe even many of us, was this past year did not feel like that. If I if I could just honestly say what it felt like for me, so many different things, from the pandemic hitting, to shutting down, to fear, to hearing of death, to social unrest, to a political climate, like, if I could just tell you what it really felt like this past year, it felt more like, okay, just play along with me on the count of three, I want everybody to take a deep breath, okay, one, two, three, take a deep breath, now hold it, hold it, I want to see who can hold the breath the longest, no, you can't laugh, and what are you doing, okay, I can't do it, I can't do it, but that's what it felt like this last year. It felt like we were constantly holding our breath. What what else is going to happen? You, you know, for all of us, uh, 2020 is going to go down as that year that we just mark off and say that was. I feel like the year we just all had to hold our breath. Just. <gasps> I don't know what's gonna happen. And then we thought 21 was gonna get better and then January 6th and it was just a downhill from there. And, and, and I don't know about you, but I wasn't made to do that. I've tried before. I, when I was a kid, and I don't know if you guys ever did this at the pool with your friends or family, we would do contests where we went down underwater and would hold our breath and see who can hold their breath the longest. Did you ever do that? Right? I was, I, I was not great at it. I don't think I ever got to a minute, okay? I do not have the lung capacity for it. Um, But I don't know if you ever tried that, to hold your breath. I just find we're not made for that. In fact, doctors would tell you that if you go without breathing for about six minutes, if you you cannot breathe for about six minutes, that things start to break inside. Your brain needs the oxygen, organs, hypoxia sets in. Now, what's interesting is that there are, are people who have actually proven that they can do it longer. And the world record holder, by the way, for holding the breath, Guinness World Record holder is somebody that maybe you've heard of. His name is David Blaine. You ever heard of David Blaine? David Blaine held his breath on Oprah, okay, on the show, for over 17 minutes while he was underwater. Can you imagine that? 17 minutes and four seconds, he held his breath underwater. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to ever try anything like that. Because, listen, here's what I'm saying. We weren't made to do that. And I know for a lot of us, that's what this last year felt like. This last year felt like we were constantly, you know, it's like all of a sudden we're hearing about this virus, this pandemic, and everybody's just (gasps) collectively holding our breath, you know, and we're like, (gasps) I hope my parents don't get it. I hope my business can survive. I hope my kids can handle their battle with anxiety cuz they're freaking out. I hope our economy recovers. That's what it felt like this past year. Nothing but holding my breath. And here's what I have discovered is that we're not designed to just hold breath. We have to breathe in, but we also have to exhale you got to breathe in, but you also have to, and and when you're holding your breath, you know what I found out? You can't actually breathe. That's what's ironic. We hold in because we're so fearful and afraid, but we're not actually breathing, and can I just tell you what we need to do and what we needed this past year and what I feel like we need even now, a lot of us, is that we need hope. Here's why. Because hope is like oxygen for your soul. Wow. You need to breathe air for your body. Can I say something? Your soul needs oxygen to breathe, to survive. And so today I want to just talk about what it looks like for us to get hope back into our soul. How how we can begin to breathe again. If you are here today and you're worried and you're fearful because of what's going on and, and maybe it's just affected your soul in a different way than you could have ever imagined. Anxiety has been on the rise, depression, suicide attempts, all of these things. I, I, I believe that Easter is not just some cute religious story but I believe there's something in that story for us that can actually put some hope back in our soul. And so I just, I wanna share a story with you and if you're one of those people that, um, you, you know, you typically will show up for church on Easter, maybe a few other times, Christmas, First, I want to say welcome. I'm glad to see you. And uh, if you're like, you know, every time I go to church, all I ever hear is the same message. I got good news for you today. I'm going to give you something a little different. All right? Can I give you a different kind of message today? Is that okay? I know it won't. I I want to share a message from Mark chapter 4. That's not the typical Easter passage. But I believe that God showed me some things for us today and this year, and, and even a message of Easter was found in this story in Mark chapter 4. And I, I just want you to know that if you're here today or you're watching this online and you would say, I'm not sure that I believe in this God. It's kind of hard to believe in Jesus coming back from the dead. I mean, that doesn't happen. And uh, I just, I want to say I'm glad you're here. And I, I want to just say, if you're in that place where you're saying, I just, I'm just, i not really sure if God's real, I hope that today, regardless of what you believe, that you're going to get a dose of pure H2O, holy oxygen from heaven that is going to invade your life. That's what I'm believing. And so in Mark chapter 4, I just want to pick up this story. It's When something unexpected happened, kind of like what happened to us a year ago, it says that that day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. So they're going to sail across the sea. It says there were also other boats with him. And a furious squall came up, and waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples woke him and they said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? And he got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. And the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked each other. By the way, if you're not sure if you believe in Jesus, his own followers didn't believe in him at this point. And they said, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. You know, I, I was thinking about the wind in this story and how wind is perhaps the most powerful force on our planet that is unseen. Like, like you don't see wind, but you feel the effects of it, right? Wind is so powerful it has been known to destroy buildings, Wind's so powerful creating massive waves that wipe out cities. This is the power of wind. Wind all throughout the Bible carries a significance. You, you see it from the very beginning when God created mankind. It says that he breathed his breath, wind, into him and he came to be. You see miracles that happen through wind. You see where God brought locusts on Egypt as a plague because an east wind brought them overnight. You see that God drew back the waves of the Red Sea as the Israelites marched through by wind. You you see even in the New Testament when God's Spirit showed up in Acts two that it was like a mighty rushing wind that came in the place, shook the place, made noise. You don't see wind, but you hear wind and you can feel the effects of wind. And let me tell you this about wind. Wind can be your best friend or it can be your worst nightmare. It can be either. I'll tell you when wind is your best friend. When you are at Disney World in July and it's 98 degrees, and I'm not talking about the band. I know this because I've been there. If you were married to my wife, you would have to go there a lot. By the way, I don't know how this happened. I got roped into going again this July. Pray for me, y'all. Please, pray for me. I'm telling you, some of the hottest moments of my life have been standing in a line praying for wind. Dear God, send of wind. I would have taken this furious squall in July. Wind can be your best friend. A couple months ago, um, my wife and I and some friends got to take a short trip And we went to a beach in Punta Cana, actually. It was great. You can be jealous. It was awesome. And uh, we went there, and it was perfect weather, like low, mid-80s. And I remember we walked out to the beach, and I was kind of struck by how windy. I've gone to the beach, but it's never been that windy before. And the whole time we were there, there was this massive breeze right there at the beach. And can I just tell you, it was absolutely perfect. We laid out and could be at the beach all day long and never broke a sweat. Think about that. It was so amazing. It was perfect. In fact, later in the afternoon, it would kind of started to get kind of cool. We'd have to put on like an overshirt because it was so windy. Sometimes I'm just trying to say that wind can be your best friend. When it's really hot, wind can be your best friend. But wind can also be your worst nightmare. Do you know, I want wind when I'm at the beach, I don't want wind when I'm on an airplane. Do you know what happens when you hit wind on an airplane? What do you get? You get what? You get turbulence. That's what turbulence is, by the way. Turbulence is when you get these wind shears, when gusts of wind, currents of wind come unexpectedly. When I say unexpectedly, it's because they know the patterns. They try to fly them. My brother's a pilot, so I ask him these things. But what happens is no one can control the wind. And so wind will come, massive gusts, and that's when your pilot, you know, comes over the air, and it's like, everybody, please get in your seat, buckle your seatbelts, and we're going to have a bumpy ride, right? I remember the worst turbulence I've ever been in my life. It was uh, years and years ago. I was on a transatlantic flight, okay? I actually used to live in Germany, and so we would fly back and forth, and one time we were flying, and the pilot said hey we're hitting some wind turbulence make sure you buckle your seat belt you know how most of us do we ignore the pilot when they say that you know little bumps I didn't do anything I'm telling you we must have hit the worst wind shear you could ever imagine because the plane didn't just like you know the plane shook so violently and then we must have hit some pocket and it dropped it I mean I don't know like it just straight dropped a couple hundred feet. It felt like a thousand feet. It felt like forever it was probably two seconds. Drop. People went flying up, hit, were hitting their heads on the overhead com- the, uh, bin, and, and the things are popping open, and luggage is flying out. People are screaming. I mean, you could have swore we were going down on that plane. You see, I, I like wind when I'm standing in line at Disney, but when I'm on a plane, mm-mm, I don't want wind. Now Here's the thing, I I was thinking that what it was like in that few brief moments on that plane for us, probably was a little bit, but maybe worse, what it was like for the disciples on the Sea of Galilee. Because here they are, and they're sailing the smooth seas, They, they were taking an evening sunset cruise on the Sea of Galilee, when it says that all of a sudden a furious squall came. Now... If you ever get a chance to go over to Israel, and I highly recommend it, but I've been to the Sea of Galilee, and there's something unique about the terrain that actually causes this kind of phenomenon to happen often. The Sea of Galilee is actually very low. It's about 700 feet below sea level. And the surrounding kind of terrain is mountainous, with with some of them getting as high as 1,400 feet above sea level. And so what happens is winds, as they come out of the east, will either fly over or storms over the tops of the mountains and then come rushing down, or there's canyons, and so wind kind of creates a wind tunnel. You ever had like a wind tunnel at your house where it's really windy and you kind of open one door and wind goes in and slams another door closed? It's because all the wind gets funneled into an area and it picks up power when it goes through there. And so this kind of thing, would happen. and so there one evening, and it's getting later, and it says this massive squall comes up where the wind is howling, and waves are now, this is on a sea, okay, this is not the ocean, this is a lake. The waves are so big, they're crashing over the side of the boat. They're, they're threatening to drown them. What wind in their sails that they wanted at first to push them across the sea is now threatening to sink their ship. And I was thinking about how sudden it came upon them. And I couldn't help but think maybe that's actually a really perfect picture of life, isn't it? Because I'm telling you that if you live life just even a little bit, that you can be sailing along on the glassy seas of your life, and things can be just so perfect. Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a massive storm. Unexpected. I see it all the time, and I know many of you have experienced it. And you know, like the, the little couple and that gets married, they're young, finally get a house, they settle down, they want to start a family, they find out they're pregnant. I mean, life could not be better. Everything you hoped and dreamed. You're planning your gender reveal party for the gram, because that's what you always have to do and you've got all the invites out, and you're setting up this big thing, and it's days before, and you can't wait to celebrate this and be surprised, and then all of a sudden, one day you realize, I haven't felt the baby move in two days. And all of a sudden, you go, and you're holding your breath until you can see the doctor, until you can find out everything, is it okay? That's life. Or well, your business is, is going well, and in fact, you struggled for years, but all of a sudden, you just got this big contract, and you're hiring employees, and it's expanding, and you're looking at your spouse going, oh my gosh, this, this might actually work. And, and, and now there's projections, and it's like, I, I think this is actually going to be something, and it's great. And then all of a sudden, you flipped on the news one day, and you heard this mentioning of a virus Next thing you know, two weeks later, the governor is shutting all businesses down, and what are you doing? You're going, (gasps) I don't know if we're going to be able to pay the bills. How are we going to survive this? This is life. The things I'm talking about, these are are things that I know. Or maybe your kids have grown and moved out, and you kind of finally reach in those good years where, you know, you're, you're still young enough and you want to do things. And you and your wife were talking about traveling and going all these places and do things. And, and then one day after a routine visit to the doctor, the doctor calls up and your wife went in for a regular checkup. And he said, I, I saw something that concerned me. We need, to, we need to meet. And you're holding your breath again. And life is full of such unexpected tragedy and pain. And I promise you that if it's smooth sea right now, and I'm not saying this to predict anything in your life because I don't want any of that to happen, but I've just lived long enough. You watch. A furious squall will come. It happens to all of us. And life gets overwhelming. And the next thing you know, as you're holding your breath, your soul is taking on water. I wonder if some of you are here right now and you feel like your soul's been taken on water. You feel overwhelmed. You feel anxious. You feel fearful. You're freaking out. And when we get to that place in our life and our faith begins to sink a little bit, I wonder if some of you feel like your faith has been sinking a little bit. You know what we tend to wonder? Because I have. Where are you, God? I've been praying. Where are you, God, in the midst of a storm? I found that when storms come, doubts come. I find that when my soul takes on water and begins to sink, my faith begins to sink a little bit. And I want to say this because you can be a Jesus follower. Like I am, you can be like, I, I'm, I, God is in my life. Jesus is in my boat. But it doesn't feel like He's in my situation. Have you ever been there? I feel like He's in the boat. But he is not helping, not at all. In fact, I wonder, sometimes I wonder, where are you, God? Oh, I wonder if that's how the disciples felt. Where's Jesus? I mean, we've seen him do some miracles. I don't know what he could do in this situation, but if he could help out, it'd be sure nice because we're gonna drown. Where, oh, he's, he's snoring in the stern. <sighs> We're holding our breath. He's he's sleeping. You know, I I look at stories like this and I think to myself, because I love how it kind of shows us Jesus in a new light, you know. And I think, man, he must have been a hard sleeper. You know, do you think he's a hard I mean you would think he's a hard sleeper unless you know the Easter story. Some of you won't get that at all. That's fine. Stupid. but uh, My wife sometimes says that I'm a hard sleeper. Anybody a hard sleeper? Raise your hand if you're a hard sleeper. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, got, I see wives putting their husbands' hands up. No, honey, you're a hard sleeper. I've always prided myself in being a, a light sleeper. My wife sometimes will say I'm a hard sleeper. She'll... She'll um, come in and, you know, she works night shifts. Sometimes she'll come in, in the middle of the night and she'll be making all kinds of noise. And she was like, you did not even move. You did. She was like, if we ever get robbed in the middle of the night, we're all dead. Just dead. So, what? And so one moment, I feel like, I don't know, maybe it's something I'm in my REM sleep. I don't know. But then there are other times, there's specific sounds that can wake me up no matter where I am in sleep. I don't know if you're like this. There's one particular sound that wakes me up all the time. I will be fast asleep, and it does not matter what time of night, but I will be fast asleep and I will wake up the moment I hear this, the moment I hear the sound of a cat on our bed about to throw up a hairball. Uh, uh, uh. Is that close? That's what, if you have a cat, my gosh, there's something about that sound that's like an alarm clock for me. The cat on the bed, and I'll hear, uh, uh, uh. I jump out of bed and I grab the cat and I throw it off my bed. I don't care if you're about to heave one up, you are not gonna do it on my bed. Apparently, Jesus is a hard sleeper. I'm trying to think to myself, how can you sleep during all of this, Jesus? How do you sleep when wind is hitting you like a torrent? Water, waves are, This says they're taking on water. Waves are smacking you. How can you sleep through all that? The only thing I can imagine, I don't know if you guys ever have a dream at night where something in real life affects your subconscious and then it gets into your dream. Has that ever happened to you? So I'm just picturing that maybe what is happening is that Jesus is dreaming that he's on the shore of Punta Cana and there's wind, it's so beautiful, it's blowing at him and he feels the little spritz of the water when the waves hit. I don't know what's going on, but they wake Jesus up out of a deep sleep and here's what they said to him. They said, don't you care that we drown?" which I find kind of ironic because Jesus is in the boat with them. And if the boat goes down, he goes down. And they don't know, by the way, at this point that Jesus has a whole buoyancy trick up his sleeve, and that he can actually walk on water. He hadn't done that, so they don't even know that. Don't you care if we drown? How many of us have said those words to God? Don't you care, God? If you've ever found a place in your faith where you've prayed and asked God where you needed him to show up more than any other time in your life and he didn't and you're saying don't you care don't you care that i'm fighting this disease and the treatments aren't working god don't you care don't you don't you care that my kids are struggling right now and and my 11-year-old is having anxiety attacks and, and is afraid to go places? Don't you care, God? Don't you care that over half a million people have died over this past year from a Don't you care, God? Don't you care if I drown? So I don't know about you, but sometimes if, if we can be real today, I get to a place in my faith where I feel like God's sleeping on me. Don't you ever wonder if God does sleep on us? In fact, one day I was driving with my oldest daughter who at the time was about five or so years old and I'd taken her to get some fast food and uh, we're driving along and she, out of nowhere, she asked me this really deep philosophical and really even theological question. It's interesting that kids come up with you know, these crazy questions and she said, Daddy, she said, does God ever sleep? It's a good question, right? Hey, you know, sometimes... Parents, we get caught off guard by the questions our kids ask us. And I didn't know what really to say other than to what I'd remembered from the Old Testament. Psalm 121 it talks about the Lord over Israel says he never sleeps nor slumbers. And so I, in that moment, I remembered that, that passage and I said, well, you know, honey, I, I, I believe that God's awake right now and I don't believe he sleeps. In fact, I believe the Bible says that God never sleeps nor slumbers. She got quiet and she asked me another question. She said, dad, what is slumber? I said, I don't know, eat your french fries. I, who uses that word anymore? I, I had to look it up, by the way. It's a light sleep, a cat nap. I love this, this picture the Bible paints is that God never sleeps. What does that mean for us? Well, it means that no matter what we're going through, that God is always watchful. Sometimes I want him to be helpful, but he is always watchful. God knows what we're going through. God sees everything. God is awake at all times. What does that mean? That means that no matter if I can't sleep at night, if I'm up at night and I'm worried and freaking out that I can talk to God, that I could pray to God and he hears me, that God does not sleep, God does not take light naps, that God is always awake, always involved, even though sometimes we say, God, I don't see it. Now, what's interesting to me is I was picturing that moment, and yet I'm also thinking about this story. God never sleeps. Yeah, but the Son of God surely did. You see, there's something different about Jesus, obviously, being from heaven and, as I believe, the Son of God, but he was also fully man. And so in that cross-section of divinity and humanity, it, came to a perfect point that Jesus is really, I believe, the mark of what God desired for humanity when he created us before messed up by sin. That Jesus, in many ways, and, and I look at a situation like this where they're all freaking out and he's sleeping and I wonder if maybe it's another perspective that God wants us to see. I wonder if it's a perspective of That even when we're in a storm and we feel like we're going down, that God's not freaking out. That he can sleep because he's not worried. You know, I was thinking about how they're dying, but Jesus is dreaming. I was thinking about how how they're freaking out, but he's fast asleep. How they're scared to death, but he's slumbering. I, I think about how they're holding their breath I can't breathe, we're gonna drown. And Jesus is snoring in that moment. And I was looking at this story and God showed me a parallel picture of what Easter's about. I couldn't help but think maybe this moment of them in a boat, freaking out, Jesus asleep, not helping, isn't how many of them felt as they watched Jesus breathe his last on the cross. You know, um, crucifixion, Romans invented this way of torturing people. The ultimate goal of crucifixion is suffocation. It's not like blood loss or pain or this. It's I mean it's all of those things, but it's you die because you cannot breathe. When you they would take and they would put someone to hang and suspend on a wooden cross from a tree. As their body weight would hold down, they would not be able to inflate their lungs to catch their breath. And so in agonizing hours of excruciating pain as Jesus had his feet nailed, in that pain would have to push up Take a breath. And this happened for hours and hours. And Jesus struggling with one last push, painful aching push, would lift his body up, take in the last breath. And he said, as loudly as he could, "It is finished." and with one final exhale breath left his lungs spirit left his body and i imagine at the that moment the few disciples that were there his mother and all of them watching this scene i couldn't help but wonder if they felt like hope left in that moment this was their leader this was the one that they had seen do miracles like speak to the wind. This is the one that did these things and he's gone. He's gone in that moment. And Jesus, when breath left his body, right? Faith left their spirit. I want you to think about that. When Jesus stopped breathing, they stopped believing. When they buried his body in a tomb, Guess what? Their faith was buried with him. This is what happened. And I want us to imagine, because we have a great perspective of Easter. The reason why we all gather and we can celebrate is because we know what it's like on the other side of Sunday. But I just want you to picture for a moment what it was like. Because what it must have been like on Saturday, when it was silence all day. When the moments when they're saying, God, we don't know what to do. And I wonder how many times they pray to God, God, where are you? Silence from heaven. And I wonder how many of us feel like we're living in Saturday today. I wonder how many of you feel like you've been in a season where I don't see God. You've been in a season where you've been struggling. You're saying, I I don't know if I can believe anymore. Doubts have filled your mind. Your faith has been buried under a rubble of all of the circumstances and life that has fallen on you. And you're having a, a hard time catching your breath. That's what it felt like for them. Hope was gone. Faith leaking in that moment the one that we trusted in, and there was nothing to look forward to. That is, until Sunday. You see, they didn't realize that on Sunday, Jesus was about to get his second wind. They didn't realize that. You know how I know that? Because the women went to the tomb with spices to anoint the dead body. And when they got there, guess what? They didn't expect that Jesus was going to get a second wind in him. When the disciples who didn't believe them went to the empty tomb and they saw it, guess what? They didn't expect Jesus to get a second wind. No one did. They thought that was it, it was over. Okay, but what we don't need, we need to understand is there's something significant about Jesus getting his second win. There's something significant because listen, when the devil thought that he had finally got checkmate on God, he didn't realize that Jesus was just getting his second win. David Blaine thinks he has the world record for holding his breath. He has nothing on Jesus because Jesus was just holding his breath for a few days. But on that Sunday, on that first Easter Sunday, he got up out of the tomb. When breath entered his body, he stood up and he walked out. And the moment he walked out of the empty tomb, hope began to come back. All of a sudden, because Jesus got a second wind, we can breathe again. I'm going to finish. I want everybody else just to stand up. Come on, stand up with me. I, I need you to see something today because Jesus got his second wind. Listen to me, we can breathe again. I don't have to go through life going like this. (gasps) I can breathe, I can trust, I can know that no matter what happens to me, I might fight cancer, I might win, I might lose. But in the end, I know that I got a second wind. I got a second wind. It changes things. And I I was looking at the story, and God showed me something. God revealed something about a second wind that I had not seen. And you might have missed it in the story. And if you did, I want to read verse 39 for you again because it was easy to miss this. See, I had to preach all of that so that I could preach this moment about the second wind in the story. In Mark 4, verse 39, this is what it says. It says that Jesus, when he got up, that he rebuked the wind, and he said to the waves, quiet, be still. And the wind died down and was completely calm. I love the picture of this. He was asleep. You know, in the, in the Bible, a lot of times there, there's a term that they use for people that are dead, but not dead dead. And you know what that term is? They say they're asleep. I was thinking about how Jesus was asleep in this boat, but he was not done. He was asleep in this boat, but it was, he wasn't done. He was just taking a little bit of a nap. That's what I was thinking about. And then I was thinking about this story. And I was thinking about the wind that brought the storm and the waves that threatened themselves. And I realized there was a really powerful wind that came against them. But then God showed me there was a second wind. God showed me there was, I don't know if you caught it, but there wasn't one wind in this story, but there was two winds. There wasn't one wind, there was two winds. And guess where the second wind was? It was inside of Jesus. I need you to see something. I got excited when God showed me this. Guess what happens every time you talk? Guess how you make noise every time you talk? Wind from within comes out, crosses your vocal cords, and it produces sound. I guarantee there was a sound when the wind came at them and waves were crashing over the boat i guarantee that that wind caused a sound but there was a second wind there was a second wind that was greater than the first wind that first wind brought fear the second wind silenced fear because there was a wind inside of jesus who is the word of god and when he speaks Things happen. When God speaks, things change. I think about the moment when Jesus was asked to go to a dying daughter's house. When Jesus was asked because there was a 12-year-old girl who was on her deathbed. And Jesus went with the father to the house. But before they even got there, guess what it says? That she died. And they told Jesus, don't bother coming. It's too late. It's too late. God never likes to hear the words, it's too late. The disciples thought it was too late when the cross and Jesus died. Uh Uh-uh, those words don't mean anything to God. Jesus, he said to them, she's not dead, she's just sleeping. She's not dead, she's just sleeping. And he went into the room with her and he said, little girl, get up. And she rose to her feet because a second wind into her. The second wind from Jesus, the second wind, there is a power and authority that comes from within Jesus. It was with the word that God set the boundaries for the universe. It was with a single word that God set the foundations of the earth. It was with a single word that God set forth motion of life and humanity. With a single word, there is power in the breath. Listen, a second wind is not just what came into Jesus to bring him back to life but the second wind is the power of the resurrection that lives not just in him but in all who believe in him I hope you're seeing it today I hope you're receiving it today. I need to receive a second wind in me. Some of you need to know that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I don't know what storm you're facing this Easter, but maybe you need to receive a second wind in you today. Come on, because when you receive a second wind, praise comes out. Do any of you have a second wind praise today? Come on, is there anybody here that has a second wind praise? We ought to say... Listen, I I believe that somebody today needs to receive their second wind from God. And so I want to ask every person, if you would, bow your heads. I want us to take a posture of prayer now. In this moment, there's, I believe many of you right now in this room, watching online, that you say, I need this kind of second wind. You've witnessed everything around you, you've heard what Jesus did for you on the cross. You see, it's only because of his death on the cross that we have any hope of eternal life with him. But that's only part of the equation. The other part was what happened on Easter Sunday, that he proved that he conquered death, hell and the grave. And Jesus said, I hold the keys of death and Hades in my hand. And all who call upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says, will be saved. That you can live with that same kind of second wind power in your spirit. But what you need to know is that your spirit, apart from God, is dead broken and sinful. But what the message of Easter is, God not only resurrected his son, but God wants to resuscitate your spirit for all eternity. And I just believe right now that God is speaking to many of you. Some of you, for the first time, you feel the presence of God. It's time to respond and receive his spirit, you know, the spirit of God all throughout the Bible is illustrated as a wind. And you can receive God right now by simply confessing Jesus to be your Lord. And I don't know who it is, but I believe for sure someone today, it's time. Maybe you one point you believed, but you walked away. Maybe today it's time to recommit your life to Jesus. If that's you, I want to, ask you to join with me in a prayer in your heart, a prayer of faith would you say something like this with me right now say Jesus today I receive you as my Lord and my Savior and I believe that you died for me you rose again so that I could receive a second wind so I could receive eternal life I'm asking God right now by your power would you make yourself known in me Confess my sin to you. I've messed up and I need you. And so I'm asking in this moment, Jesus, will you make me new? Give me new life. I receive it. Listen, as we're praying still, I want to ask you to do me a favor in just a moment. I'm going to count to three. And today, if you prayed that prayer with me for the first time, or maybe it was just a long time and you've it's been a moment for you to say, "I'm, I'm coming home to God. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to shoot your hand up and hold it up high and leave it up. Just There's something about maybe even that physical act of reaching up to God, reaching up to heaven that illustrates your heart. And I want you to keep it up for a moment. We're going to celebrate with all of you across this room who do this. I believe there are many. And we have a gift. We want to put something in your hand, a resource to help. And if you're online, when I count to three, I want you to just throw it in the chat. Today, I gave my life to Jesus. I give my life to Jesus. If that's your prayer, if that's your desire today, on the count of three, I want you to shoot your hand up boldly. Don't worry about the person next to you. This is an honest moment with you and God. You are never gonna be the same in this moment on the count of three. One, two, three, lift your hand up high. Praise God, hold it up, hold it up, hold it up. Wow, hands all over the place, all over the place. I see you all up there. I see you guys up there. Keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. Hold it up, I see you right there, sir. All of you guys, hold it up, I see you there right there.